Hello, hello. Welcome back to Cinema Q. I am still India. And we still don't know. We were having an identity crisis. Uh, we still have Ian here on the podcast. And, and still- Chad, but I kind of look like Ian, so we get confused. <laughs> and you kind of go by Austin, too. That's, yeah, that's a so, whole story. Uh, <laughs> okay, ready? And I'm India, photographer and actress. Together, we discuss the art of filmmaking and review what we're watching, all to discover what should go next in your cinema queue. Let's do it. If you didn't (laughs) listen to our kernel right before this, we have a special guest today on our podcast. This is Chad Austin Kerr, everyone. Filmmaker, writer, director from the Cleveland, Ohio area. And we have worked together on multiple projects. He was my first assistant director on my last film. Um, just super appreciate this guy and his craft. Um, so welcome, Chad. And for the people who didn't listen to The Colonel, he gave us a quick rundown of something that I did not say already. Uh, I mean, you got it pretty much. Um, I started an LLC in 2022 uh, called Chaston Media. Um, that's kind of the brand that I'm doing a lot of my uh, work under now peak the merch um, the beanie on his head yeah so like right now i do weddings uh i do commercial work corporate stuff um but i'm kind of do a lot of different things i'm hands-on i i do grip work i do pa work i do directing i do i like do like a lot of different things so it's kind of just i love being on set i love working in this industry and it's kind of just wherever help is needed i'm ready to jump on in um yeah and we've got a great team up in cleveland um, shout yeah, out Tim do. and Kevin. You guys are great. Tim and Kevin, you um, are great. <laughs> they also agree. worked on Life Source. We tried to get um, them on the podcast first, but then we had to settle for Chad. So <laughs> yeah, I'm the and the third choice. So um, and so, what are some of your favorite sets that you've worked on? Uh, let's say feature films. Yeah. So, well, so right out of um, college, I went to college for a marketing degree because I didn't think I'd be able to make any money Boo, doing uh, marketing. I'm marketing. We still love you. Yeah. I, yeah, I just didn't believe that I was going to actually make any money doing film. So I went to school for marketing and I got out of school and I was going to go back and actually become a teacher because I was like, maybe if I have summers off, then I can, you know, pursue film on the side. And I was about to go back to college and like about a month before I got my first job on a Netflix film as a PA for uh, Point Blank was the movie and it was filmed down, down in Cincinnati And that was just like a crazy experience because I was like, okay, God, maybe I can (laughs) work in this industry and get paid to work. And that job led to another one. And that one led to another one. Um, Didn't you drive four hours round trip multiple times? (laughs) Yeah, that that was so committed. Yeah. So I worked on a few features in Cincinnati and that was kind of every weekend I was driving back and forth. And sometimes I would be there just on set for a day. So instead of getting a hotel or staying with someone I just drove there in the morning worked 16 hours and then drove back um so that was that was a crazy experience I don't do that I don't do that much anymore (laughs) yeah um but Dark Waters was probably my favorite film that I worked Mm -hmm. on what was that had Mark Ruffalo right yeah Mark Ruffalo and Anne Hathaway yeah yeah I was gonna ask what were some of the moments as a PA that made you think like I need to do more of this like what was inspired yeah so yeah so that actually um, working on Dark Waters, it was is an incredible experience. I met so many amazing people. Like all the other PAs are still like friends. Like if I saw them today, 
we would it would be like no time had passed since I'd seen them. It, it, the, just the friendships that you make on a film set are just insane. Kind of like ours. Like we don't see each other very often, but when we do, it's like no time has passed. Um, and with Dark Waters, that one, as a PA, there's sometimes you get responsibilities and you actually like are moving around and doing stuff on set. Other times you're standing on a street corner for 16 hours every day. And that's Doing what? <laughs> just watching the road, <laughs> making sure that a car does not pull down the street that the film set is being worked on. PAs truly make the world yeah. go round. It's <laughs> yeah, we we are PAs are the blue. I say we. I'm not a PA no more, but <laughs> PAs are the glue that keeps everything together, it's and the they street. deserve all the praise and all the payment, and they don't get nothing. So, <laughs> um, but as a PA. You know, there was, there was one night in particular that I remember, 16-hour day, in the rain, just I was standing in the exact same spot the entire day. And during that whole time, I was like, man, I do not belong here. I do not want to be in film anymore. I don't want to do anything. And after Dark Waters, I was like, that's, that's probably my last movie. I'm, I'm done after this. And I was also having really bad back pain at the time, and it was just, it just was a bad experience. But... Um, I realized that the reason why I wasn't enjoying it was because I wasn't doing anything creative. Mm. I loved being on set, but I wasn't able to provide any input, provide any, like there was no, I, I was literally dying <laughs> on set <laughs> because we almost I lost couldn't, time. there was no ability for me to be creative. And so that's what I'm doing now is I, I am able to put myself in a role where I can create and where I can provide input. And that's even with writing too. I've gotten really into writing. Me and Tim McLaughlin, who's he, he, Tim is one of the best writers that I've met. Yeah, Tim. Um, and we're working together on a script right now. And it's just, it's been so amazing because we, we're being creative. Like God is the ultimate creator and he's given us this ability to create. And now we get to do that. It's almost like we are, we get to worship God through our creativity. And that's just like super awesome. Amazing. Come on, somebody. And I heard at one point you also got promoted to like head of PAs and you got to do something really fun and special by shushing a specific <laughs> Anne Hathaway, right? Uh, Didn't they ask you to tell yeah, her to be quiet? Yeah, that's, like, that's <laughs> like one of my fun facts. Like when I, when I used to be on dating apps, which I'm not anymore because I'm married and dating Shout apps Shout out, are, Amanda. You know, well, you guys met on a dating app, so I, I guess they work sometimes. Um, but the one of my fun facts was that I... I joked that I told Anne Hathaway to shut up, uh, which I didn't, <laughs> but that's how I would phrase it to people because that's a better story. And uh, basically what had happened uh, was I was set next to Video Village, which is basically where all the producers are watching the footage from the day. And Anne Hathaway and one of the producers just happened to be there. And no big deal, you know, just standing there, just kind of babysitting, basically. And they started talking pretty loud and started laughing. And so then I get in my earpiece is like, hey, Chad, that's up in your area. Uh, you need to quiet that noise. Quiet, yeah, get rid of the noise. Like, that's your area. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> the noise is coming from Anne Hathaway. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm going to have to like talk to her and like tell her to like, because like, a lot of the a lot of the actors were pretty cool, were approachable, but like Anne Hathaway just like seemed like she was on another level of like royalty in the film industry, where it was mm -hmm. like I'm not worthy to approach you. 
Um, so I was like, okay. Cause like, I was like, no, it's not them. It's not them. They can't hear them. And then I got another thing in my ears. Like, Hey, there's still that noise. Chad, you need to take care of it. I'm like, okay, here we go. So I walk up to Anne Hathaway and I'm like, hi, excuse me, Miss Hathaway, but, uh, they can hear you guys downstairs. So like, it'd be really awesome if you guys could just like, keep it down. That'd be really awesome. And since then Chad's been canceled and never worked on another set. <laughs> that was my last movie. So maybe there's some truth to that. But then the producer, she was like, they can't hear us. And I was like, um, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just doing my job. You know, like I, they told me that they can hear you guys. So I'm just relaying that message. And Hathaway laughed it off, you know, so it was, it was fine. But I was like, Oh, that was, but then driving home from, or from Cincinnati to Cleveland, I was driving home. I called my mom immediately. I was like, mom, I told Anna Hathaway to shut up today. It was awesome. (laughs) Well, this, this is when you pull out the princess diaries knowledge and you go me, a PA shut (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's amazing yeah so that was, that, was, that was a fun story it was a fun the movie was awesome I got to meet a lot of people that the movie was actually about and I would actually love to, if you have another episode about that movie since you haven't seen it it's a great movie to talk yeah. about and digest that's a that's a good way to sneak back onto our podcast yeah though, I'll just, I'll just keep like, coming hey, back why don't know. you future episodes <laughs> yeah yeah I mean you've always it's talked highly of job it job security yeah you've always talked highly of it so I would love to see it and then maybe in the future in like four or five years we'll get you back on to talk about that one heck yeah, yeah. well Chad you mentioned a few really good just amazing things because you're also a believer and this podcast kind of combines film and faith And you mentioned how God's the ultimate creator. And because of that, we can create. And I think like if you guys have listened to the Life Source episode, that's a lot of what we've discussed with Taylor, who's Mm. another amazing Ohio creative. Um, But just how does that like taking that mindset into projects, whether you're a PA or a director, like how does that kind of manifest itself, um, having that mindset of creativity from the Lord? Yeah. So, I mean, whether you're in a role where you're directing, where you're on charge on set and you're actually creating or you're being a PA, there's, there's definitely tons of ways that you can honor God in whatever position that you are. Because even as a PA, I still would perform to the best of my abilities. Even if that meant don't let a car come down the street, I, there is no way a car was going to come down that street in on point blank in Cincinnati. I almost got ran over once. Like it was just like people like are crazy, but, uh, it's kind of like, um, I think of Daniel, um, where he was under King Nebuchadnezzar's like leadership who was not the best dude. Uh, but he still served him, still gave him his all and like gave it a hundred percent and that honors God. And so like, that's really cool. But then also when you do get the position, where you can be a little bit more creative. It's, I think being more intentional with allowing God to be a part of it as well is huge. That's something that uh, Tim and I, when we write, um, we try to pray before we write um, and just set our hearts and our minds on the, the one who actually is giving us the ability to do this because there'll be times where we finish scenes where we're like, bro, that wasn't us. Like that was definitely the Holy spirit. And that is super encouraging too, that, you know, no matter what roles we get or whatever positions we get to do, God's in it and he'll take care of it and he'll figure out where you're supposed to be. 
That's um, incredible. Yeah. 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 And so uh, transitioning onward, though, you are a faithful fan of Cinema Q podcast. <laughs> That's true. And we love that we have a similar creative spirit, that you love Jesus. And also, we are doing this episode because of a film that you suggested in the comments. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. So I watched the first episode and... Um, or maybe it was the second episode. Was the second episode about the Christian films? It was, yeah. Yeah, so I watched the second episode, and um, you guys were talking about Christian films and how sometimes they're cheesy, sometimes they're good and stuff. And I was like, okay, well, have you heard about some of these Christian films? And Book of Eli was one of them. And I was like, these are your Christian movies that you can actually show your friends and be proud of. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Book of Eli. And that are defi- not like labeled. Right. Like yeah. Right. Films. Yeah. They're not labeled Christian films, but it is grounded in truth and you can present in, it yeah. in a way that they'll understand it. Invites discussion and conversation around yeah, the gospel. For sure which is awesome. So yes, thank you for that suggestion. So today on this episode, we are talking about the book of Eli, a 2010 film starring Denzel Washington also has Mila Kunis and Gary, Gary Oldman. And, um, as you said in the Colonel, this is probably your favorite film that you've seen Gary Oldman in. It is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go back and listen to our Colonel real quickly to get our, uh, rankings and scorings of that, of the book of Eli. And, but we will be spoiling things in this episode. So, um, yeah, hopefully you have watched the film already and now it's time to talk about the book of Eli, unless you have a further question for Chad. Do you? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm just excited because usually when we have a guest on, we want it to be, um, we want to discuss a film that either they were a part of, they have a hand in, but this is just one that you're like, I'm a fan of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I I've just watched this it. a million times. Let's go. So I think it's really cool to have someone that has that much thought about this film and you've like sat with it for a while. So with that, gentlemen... Ian, Chad, Chad, uh, no, Ian. I'm, I'm Ian over here, over here. I'm Ian. Um, the book of Eli, I'll just start off by saying I was pleasantly surprised and I mm-hmm. didn't know what to expect. Like the first 20 minutes of the film, I was like, wow, murder. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. And, and so in the past 24 hours, India has watched the book of Eli for the first time. Like at the time of recording this podcast episode, uh, she experienced it for the first time. I've seen it many, many times. Same with you, Chad. Like we've both been watching it for the past 13 years. Um, and so India will have a fresh perspective. Um, Chad's probably watched it more than me, so he will have a, uh, educated perspective and I'm just in the middle somewhere. Just, I won't talk too much. So, um, yeah. So what'd you think India? First 20 minutes murder. Well, and then you said you were pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Cause sometimes watching like things that have a lot of gore or violence is like kind of tough for me. Like, as we know, I'm kind of a girly girl. I like my rom-coms. But I can do action, and this one was handled very well. Nothing felt like the gore wasn't out of place, and it wasn't too much that was like, oh, okay, that's like a lot of you know blood and guts. It was handled very well in a way that I think engages, I'll just say stereotypically, like male audiences who like that kind of more aggressive, violent action sort of stuff, as well as someone... It's grungy. Too. Yeah, anyone who just likes a good film. Um, I think it kind of captures both of those things. But truly, we start watching this film. It's kind of this lone Denzel Washington guy uh, walking around, occasionally kills some people. And I don't know anything else about what's happening. I'm like, it looks like in a post-apocalyptic world. I didn't know what era it was either. I thought it was like, you know, going to be placed in like 300 BC. <laughs> um, and then he pulls out a KFC chicken like wipe that you use for your hands when they have mm-hmm. too much sauce. And I was like, oh, so I think it's the future. <laughs> yeah. So I think just not knowing anything about it at all helped going in. Mm. Um, 
it helped just a clean slate perspective. And then we start watching it and there's some action scenes. And it wasn't until I saw Mila Kunis's character at like a bar that I was like, oh, okay, I might like this because that's someone I've seen in rom-coms. <laughs> like, you know, it was just kind of a weird uh, beginning to it. And we really didn't pick up the plot until about 45, 50 minutes through, which I also think kind of helped the story though. It helped yeah. you feel his loneliness, feel this like, world where we don't know exactly what happened. We just got plopped in and here's the new way of life. Um, you barter for things. The world looks different. There's no green grass, water is scarce. Mm. And that's kind of where they, they introduce everything. Yeah, the first act of the movie I don't think is a waste at all. I think it really develops the world, but you really start to understand the reason for the film um, start of that second act. Would you agree with that, Chad? Yeah, um, it's, it's almost like we see that he's on a mission can I read the logline real quickly again? Yeah, yeah, go So ahead. if you didn't hear it in the kernel, it just says a post-apocalyptic tale in which a lone man fights his way across America in order to protect a sacred book that holds the secrets to saving humankind. Yeah. So he, like the movie starts with him just on a mission and we don't really know where he's going. We don't really know what his mission is or why he's doing and it. And then as the story progresses and we get, we introduce more characters, we start to figure out the motives. Um, yeah. It was extremely well paced though. Yeah. Because the slower beginning I feel like could lose people, but because there was this like he's still traveling west, he, there's occasional action and some of his like mannerisms with like uh guns and, and swords and stuff. I'm like, I don't know what he's what's his deal? Like, is he just <laughs> killing people? Like what's up? So you don't really know, but the pace isn't too slow that it would lose you, um, which I found that in intriguing, but mm -hmm. Because he's a slower paced man, right? In the film, he's heading out west. He's been doing it for 30 years. Like he's, he's been on a long journey and it invites you into that journey very, very well, I think. So, um, so then we get introduced to this other character that we're now seeing as the antagonist who's on this mission to look for a specific book. Carnegie. Carnegie. Yep. Carnegie. You guys want to chat yeah. about... Carnegie. So the three main characters are Eli, um, played by Denzel Washington, Solara, played by Mila Kunis, and then Carnegie mm -hmm. um, is Gary Oldman. So yeah, thoughts on that, Chad? Yeah, so the the bad guy is actually, he's a very, he's definitely a character that we could see in the world today and in world history. You know, throughout all of the history, you know, of Christianity, <laughs> The Bible has been used for power. The Bible has been used uh, for conquest. The Bible has been used for, you know, um, for fame, for gain. And it's it's true, like it's true because like the the character has, um, like his intentions of using the book is not for the right intentions, and we see that in today's world. Um, but the the, the movie does such a good way of showing the beauty of the Bible and what the Bible can actually offer and the hope that it can bring. But also, if it's put into the wrong hands, the detrimental um, downfall that it can have on people, on a community, on something. So Gary Oldman's character, he actually resembles um, a lot of people and um, situations that we've seen today and seen in world history when it comes to Christianity. Um, because, you know, as you know, in the movie, he's trying to get the book, which the book is the Bible, and he's trying to use it 
for power, for political gain in his community. Mm. Um, And we have definitely seen how that is used. At least I have. And I know we know a lot of people who have experienced things like church hurt and um, just corruption and things that happen because people start to lose focus of what the Bible actually is saying and they start focusing on what the Bible can provide for them. And it becomes like, and it's not a, you know, I don't know if Carnegie was a bad guy at the beginning, you know, um, like his, I don't know what his backstory is. He grew up with the book is what he says. So he grew up, maybe he grew up in church. He grew up he with the Bible. He understood the power He understood of the power of the Bible. Um, and, you know, when put in a position of authority and power, there can come a point where pride can start to consume someone and they start to see what can I gain from this? Not spiritually, but in real tangible ways of like, like money, power, sex gain, like whatever he is wanting to use, which in this case it's power, but we've seen it several times in, I mean, there's been so much stuff recently in, in the news with certain churches like getting closed down because of corruption and even political figures using the Bible to promote their platform. And it's just like, it's just so sad and so heartbreaking because people are missing the picture and missing what the Bible is actually supposed to be. And I think the movie does a good job of presenting both. It presents the beauty of the word. Like I love the scene where the blind lady starts to move her mm-hmm. fingers across his, the his text, like love interest, and she, right? and she just starts to smile. And it's like mm-hmm. it, she experiences the true power and beauty of scripture. And he just can't even see it because he's so focused that on moment what is... he can gain from it. Well, it's also just seeing Eli's character. He reads the Bible every day. He sits with scripture every day. And we see the two differences of how they view scripture. One is, adorning it and loving every second of the presence of God and soaking in it and memorizing it. And the other is like, I have power, but I could get more. Mm -hmm. I have people's attention and I can get more. And I've seen what this can do for people, like seeing the power in, in what's his name? Carnegie. Yeah. In Carnegie's character is more like just for selfish gain and for this like chokehold he wants to have on society and like you said, how true is that in the world we live in today? Mm-hmm. It's it's heartbreakingly accurate. Yeah. And I think even with Eli, even though he was give, clearly given a mission by God, even he starts to become a little prideful, which I don't know oh, if that talk gets, about that. Yeah, I don't know if that's picked up on enough. But in the very beginning of the film, there's something that is going down. Um, the the motorcycle gang they they start attacking this pe- these people, and he's like, you know, it's not my problem. It's like, not my path. I'm God, like I'm on this mission for God. Like this is what I got to do, and completely disregards the humanity that is yeah. right below him. And you know, even with Mila Kunis's character, his interactions with her aren't always super loving right away. He kind of sets off or like puts a barrier up of like, this is my mission. This is my goal. You don't have access to this. You don't have, ac- you're not yeah. good enough for mm-hmm. like what I'm supposed to, uh, what I'm doing is important. He's not without flaw. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like the, the character arc that he uh, progresses in. It's kind of like, even after he gets shot, that's what I was it's gonna like the facial reaction of like, Oh, I'm not 
as in control as I thought I was, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's almost that like, like sometimes I think when you're building, like when you're going up the ladder, God might like knock a step out just so you like get grounded back and even be humble and be like, Oh yeah, God, totally. You're in complete control. It's not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, and God uh, doesn't do that maliciously, but right. he will gently to nudge teach. us yeah, to remind sure. and teach. To teach. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. um, with Eli says it, he's like, I got so caught up in keeping the book safe that I forgot to live by what I learned from it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was about to say. It's right before, like when they're bartering for the book or Solara's life. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and she's like, why did you do that? And he's like, even I became, but his difference from Carnegie is his willingness to repent and be like, I am sorry. I want to change this. Like I want to better and be more like Christ yeah. and not just use that for selfish gain and use it for power. Um, because even Carnegie's character, like a lot of his followers don't know how to read. And so they're like, why are we after this one book? And he talks about like, oh, there is power in the words. And these guys are willing to go and kill and mm-hmm. just do so many terrible things blindly for this book that this one guy knows it has power. But if those very guys read the words that were in the book, they would understand it's, it's a 180 motive between Eli and Carnegie with fighting for the same book before selfish gain and vacancy or in humility and considering others better than themselves and all that. And like, I just, I love that dynamic between the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Eli's willingness to be like, I'm so sorry. I lost the path. Like I want to follow God and Carnegie being like, I want to follow me, but I want God to work for me. So mm-hmm. I agree with you there. Any other thoughts on that India? Um, Cause I just love that. Ah, oh, so good. I have a thought that's not fully formed. So maybe we can <laughs> discuss, but I was thinking about how some people feel like God's called me to a specific thing and I'm going to just keep pursuing this for Jesus. And then they kind of make excuses for their actions along the way. Um, And I think that it's easy to say like, God told me to marry you. (laughs) And then you like act like your voice is God's voice and that your head is synonymous with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a danger of like, we do see Eli's character as a lone vigilante traveler. And I would say, obviously, if we're going to apply some lessons into real life community, uh, accountability, accountability, mentorship is really, really important because I think we've seen a lot of that in the church as well. It's like one man with one dream and one word from God and they never check in again and they just keep going. 40 years later, they're sad and miserable and praising themselves and miss out on God. And they're like, wait, what happened? Right. I thought well, I was on this path up, for it's God. Like a, it's a way of public speaking, like the visionary that keeps bringing up that origin story. It's like, I'm a hero because 50 years ago, God told me in an armchair to just run for it. And not that that's bad and not that that wasn't the Lord, but continue to check in, continue to pray about it, continue to seek the Lord and seek community to help call you out and kind of right when you're wrong. Obviously, I don't think we should take, you know, our mission from the Lord and slaughter people along the way to doing what he wants. <laughs> but to Chad's point before we were we were discussing this and I was like, but he killed so many people. It was, it was all in self-defense. I mean, he it never was. flat out murdered. He never someone. wanted to. Yeah. And he always gave them the option to just not. 
and they would always egg it on, and right. then they would start, and he'd be he'd finish it, you know. And frequently, he'd be in opposition. Yeah, he went all Old Testament on him. <laughs> so. I was gonna say, and that's what's hard <laughs> hard for me because you can't just take this as a pure hero kind of thing who never does wrong. When you think of like Hacksaw Ridge or something, it's not like the same pacifist kind of mm -hmm. motive, but it is very Old Testament in that. God gave a word and he's pursuing it. He's not without flocks. He's still human. He's still sinful, but he is constantly like synonymously moving forward in what the Holy Spirit has put on his heart. And I think that is something that we can all relate to. Yeah. I think another thing to kind of go along with that is if God calls you on a mission, you know, he, the mission doesn't work if you don't love people. And I think that's kind of the, the theme of this film because that's, that's the, the change that Eli has to go through because he's on this mission. He's going to accomplish the mission. But if he leaves, uh, Solara, you know, in the dirt, then what was the point? You know, there was no point and him actually bringing Solara in and saving her. That's actually, that was the mission <laughs> and mm -hmm. he didn't realize it. Yeah. Um, and if you don't check back in with God during your, your journey that yeah. he's called you on, you're going to miss out on so much more that God has for you along that way. Mm -hmm. Like the whole, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, but like, like God is taking you somewhere, but those like 40 years for Moses in the desert and all that stuff, that time isn't wasted for God. That the, the way that like God uses a lot of that space. And so for Eli, it was saving Solara. It was like, he started to be more sensitive to what God had for him while heading West, mm -hmm. while heading West there's a pit stop here. He started to see those people that were being murdered and killed and started to be a voice in a fight for them while continuing on his mission. I love his sensitivity to the spirit, um, to be able to, to adapt and also please God in the in-between moments. And I, I just think that this is one of the most accurate portrayals of the human condition and attempt to follow Jesus that cinema has offered in a long time. If oh, ever. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's something too. Like there whenever you watch a movie produced by Hollywood, if there's a character who's a Christian, he's either racist, sexist, uh, pedophile. A pedophile or a murderer. And this was a super refreshing movie because Eli was actually intentionally trying to live out the way, but then was also honest about how he fell short. And like, I was like, Oh my gosh, yes, that is, that is literally like how it is to be a Christian. Like you'll notice that they're swearing in the movie but it doesn't come out of Eli's mouth. You know, there's rape that is uh, implied in the movie. When Solara is offered to him as a prostitute, mm -hmm. he does not partake in that. He all, he shuts that down mm -hmm. so fast. Yeah. He shares um, his food with her like, like, there's just like certain things where it's like, it's an honest portrayal of what a Christian should strive to be. Mm -hmm. which is really awesome. And we don't get that anymore because he faces temptation. He faces trials. He faces easy way outs. He faces so much that we face in our lives. And I'm just, I'm thankful to see a, a Christian character portrayed in cinema in such a way that struggled through that was imperfect in it yet still called by God forward to do great things for his kingdom. Um, I think in a future episode, we'll have to do a whole topic on how Christians are portrayed in media and mm. like give some more examples. But since you both are filmmakers, I want to ask, why do you think that is and what could we do to change it as a part of like the film industry 
to accurately represent Christianity as well as accurately represent Jesus. Yeah. So while not making boring films. So something (laughs) too is it's not that it's an inaccurate portrayal of Christians because there's a lot of crappy Christians. Yeah. We are all crappy Christians. People calling themselves Christians that when people experience Christians, a lot of times they are experiencing a faulty Christian because we are all faulty. Um, and so that's just what sticks with them. Like there's probably like every, every time I see a, a Christian it portrayed, portrayed fo- falsely in not falsely portrayed poorly in a movie. My first thing, like my heart breaks for the person who made it. Cause I'm like, that's their view of Christians. That's, mm-hmm. that's heartbreaking because mm-hmm. they, they didn't, they didn't have someone around them who, actually lived out the faith in the way that it should. And that's why like people who are like, we talked about um, pastors and stuff who use it for power. Like that's why people are held to a higher standard. Like when they are in a leadership position is because so many people look up to people. And if they, if someone gets hurt by someone, that's what sticks with them for the rest of their life. And so all these people in Hollywood, they've probably had similar experiences Um, and, or someone who didn't explain um, sin to them in the best way, you know, and like, there's just, there's tons of reasons why people, um, could have the view of Christians that they do. It's not that it's a dishonest portrayal. It's, I think we need to do better as Christians (laughs) in our everyday life in order to change the narrative. And And there are some people that claim to be Christians that just aren't right. right? And they're again, using that, the, the title of Christian as a power, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. their, their platform to be able to, hold you know a position over people and they just use it poorly so like that also exists yeah um and and so my kind of i have two things to that i mean first off i just agree with you chad like that is (laughs) that is real um i also think people need to understand that the very reason we believe in the jesus that we do is because we need that jesus because we are broken people right like i like when some people are like oh people that go to church are hypocrites i'm like yeah that's why we believe in the jesus we do because we believe he will sanctify us and make us more and more like him and so don't base your, like, I, I want to be a little Jesus. I want to be like Christ. I want to exemplify him, but also don't take your entire view of Jesus off of just me and how I act because I, I don't want to use this as an excuse, but like, I am flawed. I do have sin. So like experience the Jesus. Don't just experience my way of how I've mm. experienced mm-hmm. Jesus. And cause then it'll be easy to hone in on my sin, my brokenness, the ways that I have not accurately portrayed Christ and then people will think that that is what Christ is like. And I'm like, no, I just missed the mark there. Like, go actually know Jesus because the very reason I believe in him is because I need him because I am not him. I am not perfect. He is. Yeah. Um, and then the other part was um, just as a filmmaker, I think because of a lot of people's experiences with Christians that aren't great at following Jesus, um, it's it's an easy character to yeah. make, uh, to have a unique um, thing because uh, like Christians are supposed to kind of be humble and meek and in the background and doing great things for the kingdom and it's not about us at the end of the day. Like Absolutely, and so those things don't make the headlines. But as soon as one pastor, one priest, or one whatever, and then it's like, oh, that's that's kind of a, a, a easy way to make a character is write them off of this one person in the headlines. That it's usually bad things that make those headlines. But you don't see all of the like I know. 
I know the world's dark right now, but I know so many amazing people that love Jesus that are doing great, great things, mm-hmm. but you don't see it because it's for the Lord, not for people. Like it's, yep. right. it's not for themselves. It's not like they're serving other people, but it's not about their platform, their name because of it. And I mean, any platform we do have, I just hope to honor Jesus with it. And to bring it back to this movie, we don't know that his name is Eli until he says his name is Eli at the very end of the movie, which is kind of just mm-hmm. like a crazy like mm-hmm. thing that he's not about. I'm going to call you out on that a little bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, when she looks for the book well, and it's in like, he path. doesn't but present he, it. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't offer his name up. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. It's yeah. not about it's not about him. Well, just a practical example of that is we've talked about this a number of times. People always want to really quickly bash on the church. First of all, not only is the church the bride of Christ, Mm -hmm. we're not going to give up on his bride. Uh, But the church, if we just want to get practical, most orphanages, most women's centers, most food banks, most private schools... Like when there's a natural disaster, the church is typically the first organization, the local church to step up and provide help for anyone in the zip code. That's just factual. And And some people will be like, oh, they're building big buildings for themselves and blah, blah. And it's like, well, they're doing so much good. Right. I don't want to overstate. I don't want to overhype a church because everyone's flawed. We just talked about this. There is still greed in the church. There is still all this bad brokenness there. But at the same time, when you're in a time of need, the church will be there for you and help you, the local church. The people there will hopefully be the first in line to hand you food, open the door, give you a prescription. Like, And if you haven't experienced that with your local church, I apologize. Like, yeah. I, I hope the church is meeting your needs because that's what we're called to do. But if you, yeah, look at straight statistics and globally, the church is the first to respond in a mm-hmm. crisis or to go to an impoverished country and, and aid and help. Mm-hmm. So there's just all kinds of misconceptions. And once we about start it. nitpicking that stuff against the church, like oh, oh, this world today without the local church would be so much more broken than it is right now. 100%. Like so many people are nitpicking like, oh, sure, they went there, but then they just preached the white gospel or whatever. And it's like, but they're going and they're trying and they're hoping the Holy Spirit shows up and they get out of the way. Right. And I'm so thankful for what the church is doing now. Right. And that spans that kindness comes from Jesus and it spans across all the denominations. That's mm-hmm. just like the the task set on the church's shoulders kind of thing. The other thing I wanted to say, just I want to encourage anyone who's listening or watching If you have a gift of visual arts, creativity, writing, directing, if you want to be a filmmaker, an actress, whatever, we're talking right now about impacting the film industry as Christians because we're a part of it. And like the only way it's going to change is if more people who love Jesus legitimately will rise up and change it. Like you are literally the answer to all of this like, oh my gosh, I wish Christian movies were better or I wish Hollywood wasn't so agenda-y. Okay, then let's like change it. Like straight <laughs> yeah. up. Like you have Be that calling from the Lord if that's like on your heart to start making that different and to make films like The Book of Eli or similar that start conversation that are centered around Jesus and that gets non-believers interested so that they can maybe get an accurate like vision of what Jesus is and then maybe start a real relationship with him. Yeah. And so I've seen this with Chad recently, like even just our conversations these past couple days is your willingness to enter into a creative space and be like, Lord, let your will be done with this. This is yours. And once I get in the way, move me out of the way and be first again. And I just appreciate your heart in creating art of your willingness to be like, God, this is yours and this is for you. 
not to elevate my name, whatever it takes. Uh, like, I'm thankful to be a part of this, and I'm thankful for the story and that you put these ideas in my head, and I'm writing these things, and, and, but like, God, let your will be done, and I am satisfied there, even if it doesn't look like the picture of how I want it to happen. And mm-hmm. that's just been so encouraging for me as a creative to be sitting with you and having these conversations about wanting to change and put really, really good cinema in front of people that sparks conversation about the gospel and that gets people in the room that aren't maybe familiar with Jesus. And I just love knowing that there are fellow creatives, even just here in Ohio, and then even more thankful that you're in my friend's circle that have that similar heart posture, that I have a wife that has a similar heart posture to that, that we're, we're moving forward with our creativeness, putting it at the feet of Jesus and saying, this is yours, but use me and I will go. And I've seen your heart in that. I've seen yours, India, faithfulness, willingness to do that. And it's so encouraging y'all. So I agree with you, India. Like, yes, if that is your calling, find some people. Rise um, up. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely like a battle too. Like, even though that is the heart posture, you know, pride is real. And that is something that is going to, um, be tempted with, especially in this industry. And so that's why it's good to have friends that you can, uh, hold each other accountable for. Mm -hmm. Um, that's something that me and Tim have talked about. Like we've talked about, Hey, we need to check each other. Like if, Mm -hmm. if one of us starts to start to think that it's, it's, it's all us and not God, then, uh, we got to shut that down real quick. Um, and just like Eli, you know, we, (laughs) we start to, believe in ourselves more than we rely on God. And I think if we just constantly check in and be like, continue to rely on God to help us rather than us thinking that we can do it in the name of God, you know, um, I think we'll, we'll be a lot better off. (laughs) And I, I will say this though, that, that, that heart posture right there, like God will take you and put you into very difficult, challenging places for his kingdom because he'll trust you with more. Like, that heart posture guys like i've been there and god's like cool i see your faithfulness thank you so i'm going to put you onto a really tough set where it's hard to love people and i'm thankful for that because it is going to be challenging it's not a cakewalk once you start following jesus it actually gets harder like that's promised in scripture that you know i think paul's like well you know look it's it's pretty dang tough once you give your life to the lord um so yeah i i love the accountability going into that and you need that you absolutely need that 100 percent I don't want to rush us, but we do have like 10 minutes. Cool. So in wrapping up on the book of Eli, what else stands out to you guys? As I'm going to put it in Chad's. Go, Chad. Yeah, you go, Chad. He's freaking blind. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time? Yeah, the whole freaking time. That oh, rocked like my world. That, I, yeah, if you guys hadn't seen the movie, I'm sorry for spoiling it, but you shouldn't have watched this podcast. You should have watched the preview, then watched should've the movie. Known. So yeah. that's on you. But... Like it's, I think that was really awesome and super well done because you don't really notice until the end. Like my, Amanda, my wife is super good at like, as soon as something happens, she's like, that's going to happen. This thing's going to happen. And I'm like, how do you know that? This literally, this person literally said two words. How do you know this about <laughs> this person? And she just has this intuition about it. And she did not see that coming. Uh-huh. Literally. And but I was she like, did not see yes. Ha! Yeah, see, because blind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was like how the little details that they do, the the actors like mm-hmm. do to portray that without being super obvious was yeah. awesome. It it was hard in the kernel that we did before this for me to not talk about mm-hmm. that because that's why I was saying watch it again and watch it a second time because as soon as you realize that he's blind, it's like oh, 
I see why he ran into that thing a little bit or nudged that thing or waited for sound to happen. Like, oh, it's so, so good. subtle that, yeah, I was saying I never, I don't think anyone watched it the first time knowing nothing about the film and could have guessed it. Yeah. It was so well done. And I think even more so because they do have another blind character that mm-hmm. you can tell right away is blind and he doesn't do a thing to relate to her or try to like give the audience any clue that he is as well. So you're kind of like, oh, okay, interesting. They've got a blind character. So you just are like, why would you ever think that there are two? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the subtleties are incredible. The scripture that he chooses to quote about walking by faith, not by sight, um, every little thing that he does is so intentional and he's just in tune with the spirit, right? He's being led by the spirit actually, like literally. And, um, we could, I mean, we could talk for hours about all the subtleties yeah, about like the so fight scene details. where he walks back it's, in to see the yeah, shadows. You just watch it again. Cause when you watch it again, you'll pick up on everything and you'll see it from a completely different point of view. Mm-hmm. And it is I think that's awesome. my homework after this is yeah. like one more time. But I am curious, if you saw it, did you immediately watch it again? Like comment how many times you've yeah. seen it? Because, <laughs> because I'm tempted now. I want to go back and see all those things. Mm-hmm. Like how did they pull this off without giving anything away? No, no inclination. Yeah. And when I watched it in college the first time, I was just a single dude in my dorm, like, and my roommates were asleep. So I, I finished the movie and I genuinely pressed replay and I watched it a second time immediately. <laughs> Because I was so encapsulated by the story. And then, like, rarely does a film make me think so much that it invites me to watch it again right away. Yeah. And this one did. That's why on the kernel that we did, I, I raised depth on my chart mm. clear up and my overall clear up. Because for cinema to tell a story that invites you to think critically and want to watch again to pick up new things... Um, like I, I watch movies well. I pay attention and I, I can figure stuff out. Kind of like you were talking about Amanda. Like, I, uh, like when I watched... Uh, the Incredibles 2. I was like, well, this is going to happen. That's the bad guy. This is the person. Like, oh, okay, I'm bored already, and it's not even halfway through. Uh, but this one is such a pleasant surprise and such a refreshing thing in cinema these days that I think deserves yeah. more praise. Yeah, It really does. One, one other practical thing. We talked about the color a number of times in the kernel. It starts really saturated. It stays pretty saturated, but Desa- towards... Un- yeah. Oh, desaturated. Sorry. Desaturated. <laughs> it's, it's like a greenish gray. It's like gray. almost sepia. But then towards the end, it starts to get a little more color, a little more life as hope gets closer. And I just loved like seeing the color green. And by the time they get to the Alcatraz library situation. Redemption. Yeah, just like (laughs) you're seeing color and books with different covers and kind of he was on this unknown mission this whole time to make it West. And finally, we're getting a breath of like... And he knew once he arrived. He's like, there yes. it is. It's like, so we talked about how the color was a little hard to watch at some points, but I think mm-hmm. it's very unique and just a practical editing tool to see something that like helps aid the whole story along all the way up until the end. And it's like, that is what hope feels like. It's like a breath of fresh air and new color coming into your life. And I just thought that was pretty inspiring. And also, how inspirational is it to see a character who memorizes the entire Bible and actually holds the word in their heart. And that's something that, like, it's such a daunting task to even think to begin. But if we had it, Mm -hmm. if we had the Bible in our hearts that way, that he had it, man, I feel like life, you would be able to help so much more people. You'd be able to live a much fulfilled life. Yeah, most of you watching this podcast have 30 more years of life, hopefully. And that's probably when he started memorizing it was on that 30 year journey. (laughs) 
and because he probably got blinded when the sun flashed and and he spent 30 years and wrote the entire word of god on his heart and like how inspirational is that to be able to make that happen yeah Um, it made me have a new respect for we were talking about the oral storytellers who helped take scripture from mm -hmm. words because they didn't have a printing press yet you know all the way to carrying it down to printing things out and having to like write things on scrolls and then things got burned and then there's a war and then some people know and some people don't and some were educated and some are not. And just that whole journey that we were never born into that era of seeing that for ourselves and just the way the Lord has helped guide humanity with his word and so that they could tell it to the generations ahead and how how life-giving that has been because of this. Like, we are mm-hmm. so privileged to have access to scripture right now. Yeah. So I would really hate to not take advantage of spending time with it. And I want to go read my Bible more after this. So, <laughs> yeah. like, I feel yeah. called to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and some, one of my favorite lines that he says is when, uh, and Solara's like, we don't have the book anymore when they show up at the at the library island. And, and he's like, yeah, I have a full King James version with me. And then he's like, what condition is it? And he's like, well, it's a little beat up. <laughs> um, but that's because he's beat up and he is carrying the word with him, but he trusts the spirit working through him to then put the King James version back onto paper. And that's where like different translations or whatever, like he's like, I'm going to try to get out of the way. I'm a little beat up, but like God is going to work through me to put this onto paper. And I think that's how we can trust like the word of God written. Some people that's a stumbling block for them of like, ah, humans wrote it. I'm like, but with the spirit's guidance. And he's like, look, I'm a little beat up, but God uses beat up people. And I love that line that he says. Yeah. And Um, because of his faithfulness and remembering it's going to change the future of that world. Yeah. Like yeah. they're yeah. printed Bibles now and you don't have to fight about it. And the power that he's known for so long is finally going to get mm-hmm. um, shared. So. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good movie. Amazing. I wanted to talk about like water through it as well. Like we don't have time to really get into this. So, okay. uh, but from like no water to having a little water to people fighting over water um, to, uh, the end when the color starts to happen, he's getting closer to the ocean and there's water. So like, if you see some water themes, I want to hear that because God uses water in scripture and I don't want to get into it. I don't want to leave that for you guys in the comments to tell me some of your favorite moments that you see water kind of tied throughout, um, and how that is equivalent to life and how he uses that. Um, cause I have some other cool thoughts, but I'll, I'll let you guys try to find those. Um, so any final thoughts here, Chad, before we get going or India? Yeah. I just, yeah. If you haven't watched it, what are you doing? Cause, uh, you should, you should definitely watch it. But yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm very thankful that you guys gave me this opportunity to talk about movies. It's like one of my favorite things to do <laughs> and, uh, also talk about Jesus. So it's kind of the best of both worlds and why, wait, why both worlds? Why can't they be one? They can be book of Eli. Whoa. So, <laughs> the end. so any, any final thoughts there, India, for your first time watching this, no. you're about to go watch it again I, I right now. I'm going to go. Um, but it was awesome. And Again, like surprising, we gave it a family rating on the other kernel, but one of those things that, yes, you should dialogue with your family about violence in the real world and how to live out the gospel in the worst case scenarios. And I think it's one of those that just really can spark a lot of dialogue for people who are like, our Christian family, never. Like this is one of those exceptions that really helps um tie it all together but kind of a crossover film huh definitely Mm -hmm. but we loved it it was such a great episode it was awesome to have chad chaston here and coming up next yes 
we need your help. <laughs> we are going to ask you guys, as Chad did, and that's why this episode's here, right? Because you said the Book of Eli. And so in the comments below, let us know what series or movie you would like us to talk about and dissect and, and tell people about to see if they should uh, queue it up in their yeah. cinema There's queue. tons of good stuff out there, tons of stuff coming out there. So we want to hear from you. What should we do next? And we will take your comments to heart while we consider but until next time, thanks for joining CinemaQ. Yeah, thanks for joining CinemaQ, and we'll see you. See you soon.